When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, you should check out the full finance journey at realvision.com slash nextbigtrade to get the full view of what Real Vision is all about. A video on demand platform you can watch anywhere. Our members get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos for beginners and experienced investors alike, and live events online. You'll join the most thoughtful community in finance. More than 300,000 people who trust Real Vision to be the anchor to truth in the financial world. To get started, visit realvision.com slash nextbigtrade and use promo code NBT20 to get 20% off our Plus membership for your first year. Enjoy the show. I'm extremely worried about the paper uh, financial system and, and the monetary system. And myself and our investors, um, they are keeping most of their money outside the financial system. I know that's what 99.9% of investors don't do. I understand that, and, and some people might say it's crazy, but it stood us in good stead. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Next Big Trade. I'm your host, Harry Malandri from MI2 Partners. On this program, I'll talk to some of the world's foremost traders about current trends in markets and what they believe is a smart bet. We'll hear about their career journeys and, of course, find out what they're targeting as their next big trade. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the next big trade and thanks for joining us. This week, I have the privilege of speaking to Egon von Greitz, uh, the founder and managing partner of Matterhorn Asset Management. Um, Egon started his working life in Geneva as a banker, spent 17 years as a finance director and executive vice chairman of Dixon's Group PLC. Uh, he set up uh, Matterhorn Asset Management in 1998, and it's an asset management company based on wealth preservation principles. Um, Egon, a great pleasure to meet you. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Very good to speak to you, Harry. I mean, I have... Uh old roots with uh, <laughs> Real Vision from uh, the time of the fir- first recordings um, um, of, of Grant and, and Raoul uh, and uh, the trial run. And uh, obviously, I know Grant very well since he's an advisor to our company. And uh, Raoul, I've also, obviously also met. But so, um, no, it's good to speak to you. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be interested to um, to. to talk about our, our views and, uh, and the world uh, as, as it is today, which is sadly not in a good state. Yeah, you know, I have a bad feeling about where everything is heading, but then I'm always I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. Um, so I always ask people, what is it they're reading or what's got their attention in markets at the moment? We're talking on June the 14th. Yesterday was an appalling day uh, for risk markets. Uh, and rates shot up, um, which has got me quite, well, it's caught my attention. What has caught your attention? Well, you see, uh, having had a long corporate life and a a banking corporate and investment life, um, I I am not a person who's interested in in short-term gratification. 
I mean, the news, uh, I decided quite some time ago, the news will be um, overwhelmingly bad uh, in, in coming years. Um, and uh, therefore, in my view, uh, the, you know, I'm really focusing on that. I'm, I'm not really worried about the, the day-to-day uh, decisions of the Fed or interest rates going up and down. The Fed anyway hasn't got a clue what it's doing, uh, shouldn't be there, shouldn't exist. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't know what's happening and they don't know what's going to happen. And still, still everyone listens to them all the time. And because, but, you know, sure, they have a short-term effect. They, long-term, I mean, they're, they're destroying the economy as, as well as they possibly could. Um, and uh, I think one has to ignore them and, and follow your own views. And my own views is that the world is in a mess and, and the combination of, of um, you know, massive deficits and debts and, and also now... Uh, uh, politically and geopolitically uh, bankrupt world, uh, you know, it doesn't uh, doesn't bode well for for coming years. And sadly, that's that's what uh, I and, and and our investors are are preparing themselves for. I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom. It might sound like it. I'm not. I'm an optimistic person. But throughout my life, corporate life, banking life, and and investment life, I've always been in, in, interested in understanding risk. And in protecting the downside, you know, the, the upside takes care of itself. So you've got to protect the downside. And I think right now, one should worry about more than ever the protection of the downside. Because either in my in my world and in, in my interpretation of the world, um, the downside is massive. So, Egon, this is terrible. We You're like an audio reflection of some of my thoughts um, at the moment. But... I got to say, I do prefer my gratification uh, instantaneous. Um, it's just that that <laughs> tends not to be the case. Um, I prefer gratification to no gratification, and and rapid gratification to slow gratification. But um, any gratification is great. So let's be specific. Um, you're talking about risks, and you're talking about a deteriorating envir- business environment. Which specific risks have your attention? Well, you know, when we, we as I said, I, start, I started my, with the, the, the activity, investment activities in, in the 90s after I, I, I had a, a very exciting corporate uh, life and, and uh, decided that I wanted to uh, start making my own decisions about my, my, my own future investments as well as the, 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 the friends that I advised uh, and, and, uh, and contacts. So, so. Um, and at the end of the 90s, I decided that what, what we'll be looking at for coming years, and I'm looking, I'm not talking about one year or two years, I'm talking about the coming years or, or even decades, um, is a situation where, where you know, the debt has grown exponentially since 71 when the, when the, the gold, gold standard was, uh, was abolished. Um, um, and, and, you know, the deficits likewise, currencies have been collapsing. Well, actually, well, you could say since 1913, but certainly they've accelerated since 1971. And as, as most people know, if they care to look, uh, since 71, all currencies are down 97 to 99% against gold. And of course, you know, we decided that when looking at these risks, there was, uh, you know, the best way of protecting against a destruction of currencies, um, destruction of the value of money, therefore, and, and uh, escalating debts to uh, out of control debts, 
the best way to protect was, was in something that held its value. And actually, that was physical. I, I, I'm extremely worried about the paper uh, financial system and, and the monetary system. Uh, and, and myself and our investors, um, they are co- keeping most of their money outside the financial system. I know that's what 99.9% of investors don't do. I understand that. And, and some people might say it's crazy. But, but it stood us in good stead. And, and um, therefore, as I said, we decided um, already in, in um, what, the beginning of the 2000s that we, are, we were going to uh, put major investments into gold. And, and we did that in 2002, in the early in January, February 2002, um, when gold was 300 uh, dollars, just under $300, um, and um, 200 pounds uh, per ounce, for example. Um, and basically, we have, a, you know, we are not sh- short-term traders. We don't go in and out. So that ba- basic position we have kept since then. You can say it's incredibly boring. And, of course, it was spectacular up to 2011-12, depending on the currency. Um, uh, and um, then um, that went, gold went from 300, as I said, to, to 1900. And then we've had a, had a boring uh, four or five years when it went down and then sideways for, for a long time. And of course, in dollars, we're still flirting with it, with it just being, being, being under nine, well, 1900. Well, it came down a little bit more in the last couple of days. But, um, so, but it, that's you know, it, primarily because the dollar has been strong, which I think is very temporary in the way I look at the world. Um, and therefore, um, you know, if you look at gold in, in uh, euros, in pounds, in yen, uh, I would talk about the, you know, the, the stronger currencies or the Western currencies. Um, and, and then, of course, you can talk about, you know, in, in Turkish lira or, or, or um, Zimbabwe dollars or, 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 or uh, you know, um, you know, any, any of the, many of the South American currencies. Then gold, of course, has performed spectacularly. So, you know, this is, and I think it's obviously also uh, the, the state uh, or the stage in my life that I am now. And, and our investors are primarily, you know, older rather than younger. They're not Bitcoiners. They have no interest in Bitcoin whatsoever. We don't understand Bitcoin either. I mean, I, I know it could be, it has been a spectacular, spectacular investment. You know, Egon, you might you might understand Bitcoin just fine. <laughs> it may be the reason you may want to avoid it might be might reflect the fact that you understand it just fine. Well, well, thank you, but yes, the way I understand it, I wouldn't touch it. I, it's a binary investment. I mean, it, even Raoul said um, um, years ago that you know, go to a million dollars, um, and and. Yeah, sure, it could go to a million dollars, but it can also go to zero. Uh, and and um, I don't know which which one will win, uh, but that is not a risk I am prepared to take for myself or for the people that we advise. So that's what makes it very simple. Uh, and also, since I am concerned, you know, I mean, there are many other risks, and I'm not going to go into Bitcoin now. But of course, it's not something that you can hold in your hand. And I, because of the, the way that we now evaluate risk, we think that you know, real assets um, are the best way of covering that. Sure, there are spectacular investments, and will be also, um, and a lot of people will take advantage of that. But markets as a whole, in, in coming years, 
you know, in, uh, in real terms, and I measure most things against gold because that makes it simple. Can't measure it in dollars because I mean, ki- people are kidding themselves. Anyone measuring the, their wealth in dollars or, or pounds or whatever currency, you know, they they are avoiding the truth. Uh, you've got to uh, measure your investments in in, in the sta- stable currency, and the best one we found is gold. Um, and and therefore, you know, but but in, if you measure it in gold in real terms, I think all assets, stocks, bonds, um, you know, property, etc., will probably go down between seventy-five and ninety-five percent. Um, that might might sound. And that's the money shot, isn't it? That's the that's the implicit underlying investment thesis of this view. And you know, I think uh, you're thinking in terms of shorthand because you're so familiar with these arguments. There are lots of people who are not so familiar with these arguments. So I'd like to make something explicit that you've got as implicit. I think a lot of the reasons you're bullish of physical gold is really because you're bearish of fiat monies. And you're, you see very limited disciplines in the fiscal and monetary authorities. You believe that the expansion of balance sheet and the uh, equip the debt on the other side of the balance sheet makes the uh, the fiat currency itself highly questionable, and that it, to a great degree the appreciation of gold from three hundred dollars to where it is now about eighteen fifty or eighteen uh, reflects the deterioration in fiat currency rather than an improvement in the valuation of gold. How wrong am I to summarize your view like that? Is is that about right, or where, where do you take issue? Yeah, no. It- it, it's so simple, you know, it's ridiculously simple. And I don't, you know, I, the world, the investment world hates gold. Banks hate gold. Investment advisors hate gold because they can't make any money on it. They can't churn commission on gold. So therefore, you know, less than half a percent of world financial assets are invested in gold today. And, you know, over time, I mean, it's, it's been a spectacular investment only because, as you rightly said, Currencies has been a horrible investment, and, and you're measuring, or the world is measuring all the returns in, 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 in currencies which are being slaughtered totally, like every time in history, of course. We know that there, there is no currency that's ever survived in history except for gold. No, no money has survived. Um, and therefore, as I said, it, it makes it so simple, and especially if you get to a face in your life when you rather you know preserve wealth than, than try to speculate. And I think speculating today, I mean, people are going to lose their shirt and more. They're going to lose everything. If markets are going to go down anywhere near where I say, um, and that is in a market when everybody's spoiled that, you know, that, the, uh, they, that they have the, the Fed put or central bank put, i.e. That, that central banks will save them and will buy printing money. Nobody understands that you cannot save the world uh, by printing worthless pieces of paper. You ju- it just doesn't work. So I believe the central banks will save me by printing worthless pieces of paper. I've, I've done my best to buy physical assets, uh, small amounts of real estate. I finance them on fixed rates. And I believe the central banks will inflate my debts away and allow me to own the assets. Um, but- Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. You know, you reminded me of a personal story when you were going through gold and the, the history of the 20th century and the, what will be the history of the 21st. I had an uncle uh, lived in uh, Brussels. Oh, I remember visiting after my father died and he sent me to visit him. Anyway, uh, I was talking to my uncle. It was around the time gold was $300. I remember this because uh, he his first language was French. Well, his first language was Polish um, and then Hebrew and then French. And uh, he pointed at the newspaper when gold was 300 and was telling me you have to buy. And we were speaking in a mixture of English, French and Russian, um, because those were the closest things to a common language between us. Uh, my Russian is appalling. Uh, uh, his Russian was way better because he was born in Poland. The part of Poland he was born in is called Vov today. And his family uh, were all killed in the events of the Second World War. He was the only survivor. At the time, he was jabbing the financial paper. It's like 2000 or something. And telling me, buy gold at 300 Later on, when I was chatting to my cousins, they pointed out that their father had never, never got on a trade wrong. He was always right. He was a remarkable man. Um, so he was telling me that I should have bought gold at 300 And of course, me being a complete idiot, I didn't. Now, I've got a good idea that he had so much more perspective on the broader thrust of history than I will ever have. But I do think about how temporary borders can be. And I do think about how weak fiscal authorities can be, uh, especially when you have times of geopolitical change. So I suspect my uncle was pointing out a, a super cycle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, where gold was going to go from 300. So... Anyway, so you just reminded me of that story. And I, I don't think things have really changed. I think, if anything, it's great irony that Vov is pretty much the centre of the world right now. There's a war going on around it. And I can see how uh, the European fiscal authorities have this enormous spending programme. Defence, energy transition. Uh, capital has to flow back to Europe and Europe has to attract that capital. And there's so much debt there already. Interest rates might have to go way higher, which would not be bullish for gold in the short term. It, it becomes bullish for gold if those fiscal authorities decide that they're better off shortcutting the process. Well, yes, true. But at the same time, as you know, gold benefits from, from um, real negative rates negative real rates. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I experienced, I was in the UK in the 70s. I came to the UK in 72. Um, and um, I then, my first mortgage was in, well, in 1974, I think it was 73 or four, I paid 21% for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, how many people could afford 21% today? I mean, in Europe, nobody could afford 5%. Um, in the US, rates are higher. But um, you know, but the, the rates, you know, I saw it happening, and I saw inflation for well in the UK, so seven, uh, eight years, being around average fifteen percent. I think we're going to go into an inflationary period now. I've been saying that for a long time. It was inevitable with what's happening to money and money printing and the creation of money. 
Uh, of course, the central banks never saw it. They were they were struggling to get inflation up to two percent, and and fail with that, in spite of unlimited printing and zero or negative interest rates. Mm-hmm. And now when they're going up to uh, now when they're going, uh, you know, when they we're looking at inflation at eight nine percent, and the real inflation is probably fifteen twenty at least, because anyway, especially if you look at uh, food and energy, is what you know the biggest expense for most people. And uh, rents also, or interest costs on mortgages. Yeah. So um, you know we are already at very high inflation, and, and that's just the beginning, in my view. You know, I mean, the the world is mad, totally mad, and you know the West is mad, and the US is mad. Europe is a fool to follow Europe. Uh, you know that we are killing the world um, uh, world trade now totally by following ludicrous uh, US sanctions. And the whole world just just follows. Sweet. It's actually not the whole world, but it's the Western world. And that's what all we can read about in the West if we don't read alternative media because we are obviously indoctrinated by, by, by the, you know, the, the Western-controlled um, media. And therefore, um, uh, all we hear about is, is the US and, and, and Russia and US sanctions, etc. But, you know, that actually... The, the sanction, the people who are actually sanctioning, is only represent, represents only fifteen percent of world population. So we we we're getting a totally biased picture of, of, of what it looks like. World trade, you know, the Romans conquered major parts of the world, um, and two thousand years ago. Uh, but you know, they always let trade flow. They didn't stop trade, and that's why the Roman Empire for a very long time prospered. Uh, because there was free trade. Now, you know, it's the opposite. Uh, and that's going to kill the world more than the money printing. You know, and that's going to kill the, the West and the, and, you know, developing countries dramatically. They, there was already major shortages of food and hunger problems, etc., in, in developing countries. And that's now developing all over the world. I mean, it's a crazy situation. Um, and, and, you know, and I cannot understand why, why um, uh, European leaders, and, and I must say, of course, the way I read the world, we are now f- financially and mor- morally bankrupt. It's the end of an era, as you also mentioned. I've always considered this. I don't know if it's uh, how long the era is. Historians will write about that in the future, whether it's, a, a, you know, the 300-year cycle or whether it's a 2,000-year cycle. I think it's going to be the end of a longer cycle. But again, we only know that afterwards. Um, um, and that's why we have this moral uh, decadence, and we have incredibly weak leaders. There's not a statesman in the world, you know. Uh, the U- U.S. president, I mean, he's, he's not leading anything. Um, and, and uh, you know, Europe, one is worse than the other. Uh, you know, U.K. Prime Minister Johnson, he was so happy uh, that, you know, the, the, the Russian um, invasion of Ukraine started so he could start focusing on geopolitics rather than, uh, Partygate uh, in, in the UK, uh, you, you know. But as I said, there is, um, you know, it's it's not surprising because this is what happens at the end of eras. You don't have any statesmen. You have weak leaders who take the wrong decisions, and that's part of of, of the pattern, you know, for, for the final collapse of this economy. <laughs> Let me guarantee you that if if I was a leader, I would be a weak leader. I absolutely guarantee it. it. Exceptional people are rare, and the people who get to the top of organisations are often not necessarily uh, they don't necessarily have universal virtue. 
right? They're, they're optimized no. to get to the top of organizations. So yeah. um, I, I do take your point completely. I mean, I, quality of leadership is a, maybe a problem. I can certainly see that. But I would say that in difficult times, it's not that surprising that people make diff- bad choices. To the earlier part of the Roman Empire, everything was going swimmingly. They had lots of military force, they had plenty of tax revenues, and the economy was strong. In the later part of the Roman Empire, when it started to fall, they had lots of problems. And it was much more of a challenge to lead through those problems than it was in the, in the earlier part. Of course, yeah. Um, they didn't have any Julius Caesars. For sure. And if they did, maybe things would have changed. But in the look at the Eastern Empire. There was a chap called Belisarius who did wonders with very small res, uh, military resources, trivially small military. Belisarius managed to hold back the Persian Empire, reconquer parts of northern Africa. It didn't matter because ultimately Rome was falling apart and the forces pulling it apart were too strong. Oh, yeah. And you draw sure. this analogy here and w- we have... Western Europe and North America and its allies in in uh, Australasia, Japan, they're trying to hold together a particular world order. And so they should because we they benefit, we benefit from terms of trade, which advantage us relative to our trading partners. If that world order were to shift, those terms of trade will shift against us. And we are seeing that already in energy markets. India uh, is benefiting almost exactly as a zero sum game from the transfers of oil which have gone which were going to Europe cheaply from Russia and are now going to India before they come back to mm. Europe in the form of refined product that they refine sure. so they're, they're making 30 bucks a barrel on the oil they recycle on behalf of these nonsense sanctions. So look, the the sanctions, I know lots of people way cleverer than me that strongly support sanctions. I think the idea of these sanctions is that we will break Russia and we will win an important victory. But if it fails, if that does not work and that militarily Russia continues with its actions, we'll be left in a situation where uh, we have demonstrated we have no control over the terms of trade And we've given our competitor regions like China and India a huge advantage in energy costs. That will give them a huge advantage in macroeconomic variables. We'll have a bad economy. They'll have a good economy. I don't know why we'd do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Russia is benefiting dramatically with this. And of course, everybody's still buying their, they're making all the noises, not buying the gas or the oil, but they're buying more than in France. Just came out as you saw that they bought massive amounts of, of gas for, and they have to. Everybody has to from Russia, and, and if Russia can't sell it to them directly, they'll sell it indirectly. You know, we'll, we'll buy somebody else. Um, so, so you know, in my in my world, sanctions don't work. And of course, Russia with with the, 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 you know having the biggest natural resources in the world, seventy five trillion reserves um, of, of natural resources. You know, I could see Russia long term becoming a you know. A, a major economy, not with their present leadership, uh, but you know, there's no reason why why Russia, just like China, did why they couldn't change their leadership at some point um, and and become a very strong economy with those natural resources. We are in the era now, anyway, of natural resources. You know, starting a rise that will last for many many years, and and obviously the countries that hold the most natural resources will benefit. So therefore, I doubt that the sanctions will work. Sanctions never work. 
Um, I don't. I doubt that they'll break, break Russia. Uh, but again, uh, you know, the, the, uh, we will see. I don't think they'll break Russia in time to save Ukraine. Um, and they may well break Europe before they break Russia. Um, I wanted to bring out something in your trade. You talked about physical gold. Um, the distinction between the physical and the paper is important, and I don't think everyone understands why physical. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you're, you emphasize physical gold as opposed to paper? Well, as I said, since a you know, big part of my life has been to understand risk, and protect the downside. I, I, you know, when I'm protecting a downside, which is primarily uh, a, a bankrupt financial system and a, a, a bankrupt monetary system, and, and, and currency is going to zero, you know, I don't want to be part of that monetary system with my investments. Of course, you know that would defeat the whole object of what we're doing. So, so you are looking at uh, proper wealth preservation in the form of having physical, having control of it yourself, storing it in the you know the best jurisdictions. There are not many left anymore in the world, sadly, with what's happening. But at least uh, some are better than others. So, storing in the best jurisdictions and 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 in, in vaults outside the banking system. It's very simple. As that, I'm not a gold bug. Uh, not at all. I mean, gold is boring. It, it, it's a bit you know like people say that. Oh, yeah, even Buffett said that. I think also that that you know you spend years and years digging up gold it takes you know ten years at least for it to get a gold mine, mine productive from discovery. More often fifteen or more, um, and, and then you dig it down in the ground again and hide it. You know, yeah. but that's be- only because I mean that's not a good you know that's a, it's a boring investment. I, I'd love to invest in real things, but you know, since I'm re- looking at a risk that to me is unacceptable. You know, I'd rather have something that I know I can control better than anything else, and that that preserves its purchasing power over time. In an era where purchasing power of, of you know normal fiat currencies are going to go to zero, um, and therefore, so it's it's so simple, um, and and you know it requires very little intelligence. Uh, and, and you know, very little contemplation of you know, should I do this or this? It's only a question of how much do you put into physical gold. Uh, I mean, we could talk about silver also. Silver, silver is probably going to do a lot better than gold, but it's too volatile. I told our clients that many years ago, and it's been right. I've been right in that. At some point, silver will go spectacularly well, uh, but then the corrections are just as bad. So if you want to sleep well at night, you have only a bit of, bit of silver. But mainly gold. That's how we look at it. So, so as I said, the formula is ridiculously simple. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm almost ashamed of saying, you know, such an easy. You call it a trade, of course. I would never call it a trade, but that, that, that's another matter because, you know, we are, we are not traders. Oh, I call I call everything everything is a trade. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. That's fine. A trade. I just like the long term trade. And 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 and, and, uh, and a trade that is uh, very low risk, and and that's what we're, we're doing. Yeah. yeah, there was a chap I met at Brevin Howard, a charming man, um, no names. I remember him because every time I'd ask him what he had on his book, he would always say the same thing. He would say, "I am long of S and P dividends." Yeah, he had the same trade on for three years. Yeah, I don't remember him ever mentioning another trade. And every meeting when someone asked him, what have you got on? He would say, I am long of S&P dividends. 
Uh, you know, he made a huge amount of money. <laughs> it was a magnificent yeah. trade. Absolutely hit the ball out of the park. Never did another trade. Just did that to my knowledge. I was fired way before um, <laughs> I ever heard him change his trade. So turnover doesn't change. Whether you hold it for a very long time, some people call that an investment. Other people call it a trade you hold for a very long time. So, um, yeah. I, you know, the other thing, so implicit in the idea, if the the scenario in which physical gold outperforms paper gold is a terrifying scenario. It involves a default. It involves uh, unreliable financial institutions. Deposit insurance mm. questions come into view. You say it as if it was oh, just risk mitigation. Of course, it's risk mitigation. But you're mitigating against terrifying risks, which if they were if they were to materialize, would involve all sorts of havoc. No, that's absolutely right. So, you know, so our trade, um, as you call it, um, you know, we've been in it for 20 years. I haven't changed our mind, never been worried, never considered for one second that we should get out uh, because I don't know what the alternative would be except for short-term uh, speculation. Um, and, and therefore, you know, so so, and we and and during that period, whether you measure in in, in dollars or pounds or whatever, um, you know, gold is up seven times, eight times, or or, or six to to eight times, let's say, in normal currencies, um, uh, and and more in others. So you know, and that's enough. Uh, that's a good return. I wouldn't complain about that. Sure, it was more spectacular in the first ten years or so, and and been been. Um, uh, slower in, in, the, in the last 10 years. But that doesn't matter either. Um, because as you say, the day will come when the paper gold system as well as the paper financial system will fail. Um, as we know that there is so much uh, paper gold outstanding that can never be satisfied with physical delivery. Um, and at some point when people start worrying um, and the, the uh, bullion banks and, and the LBMA boys will not be able to issue more paper gold. Uh, people want to deliver it then. Then, of course, yes, gold could go spectacularly high. But, you know, I'm not even counting on that. That's a bonus. I think it will happen. It definitely happen. It's taken longer than I thought, this whole process. But that's what you learn. You know, patience was what you learn um, in, in, in uh, long life, uh, uh, generally, and investment life also. Things that you see today, especially since I'm looking at longer-term risks and longer-term events, you know, they you see them much earlier than they happen. Um, and, and because also we are at the end of a major era and cycle in my in my book, then um, that, therefore, you know, they, they don't end overnight. You know, the... the, the a Roman Empire took hundreds of years to to finish, basically, um, uh, for, uh, from the peak until till, till the yes. uh, the bottom. But I don't. I think this will be quicker. I think we've already had a long, long period of, of waiting and, and deterioration in the system. Uh, I I don't really care about. I I obviously wish that all everything that I see won't happen in my lifetime. Um, and uh, since, since my lifetime is shorter than most people's because I'm older. Than them. A lot of people then then you know the the it might not but it and it doesn't i don't wish gold you know i sell, say to people when there are people who hold gold also say you know why is gold not going up you know i want it to go up and i said you know you should be very happy that's not going up more than it is because the day gold really goes up 
you don't want to live in this world. I mean, your, your quality of life is going to be so much worse than it is today. Uh, so that's the consequence. So, uh, and, and of course, gold then is a small consolation. Uh, it's not going to save you. You know, if, if, if things happen the way that I expect them, you know, everyone will suffer, whether you have gold or, or land or whatever assets you have, everyone will suffer. Uh, but it, it's obviously to have a little bit of, of, of spending power and be able to, to, to keep your house and to, to buy your food is going to make a big difference, of course. So, so and I, I understand. So when you said you're not a prophet of doom, what you meant was you are a prophet of doom. However, it's not your fault that doom's likely to happen. Oh, okay. That's, fine, that's really fine. the gist. So look, two historical observations. Two historical observations. 1933... President Roosevelt, I think, signed an executive order which confiscated physical gold. Um, So you had IRS agents go through safe deposit boxes looking for physical gold. And when they found it, they took it. And they gave you, I think they gave you $33 an ounce or some amount that they'd already determined. But they took all the physical gold. Well, no, they gave you, no, the price before that was they gave you $21.60 or something like that, or or around $21, let's say. And and then they then devalued uh, the dollar, uh, and the consequence of that, since the dollar was backed by gold, was that gold then went to thirty five dollars from from twenty one dollars. So that's really uh, what happened. And, and, and most people had their gold at home that was not confiscated. Um, so it was only if you were unlucky to have it in a bank deposit box or, or some general depository. Uh, but otherwise, you know, they, they, you you were not. Uh, Uh, Most people didn't hand gold in, of course. Now, you know, I remember reading through this, and obviously my memory is faulty. I'm 55, uh, although I do have the body of a Um, (laughs) 58-year-old. But um, when I read through this, I remember the the material I was reading was pointing out that some people, everyone could see the underlying economics. It wasn't a mystery. Everyone knew that bad things were going to happen. The dollar peg was unsustainable. Uh, Some people took that trade on in foreign exchange. Uh, some people took that trade on in gold, gold that they had uh, at home or deposited in foreign banks. Um, if you did that trade in foreign exchange at the wrong time, you were destroyed because there were defaults in certain other countries and maybe the credit Anstalt or whatever failed. Yeah. Um, if you did it at the right time, you made out like a bandit. There were people who made huge fortunes because they sold out of dollars early into foreign currencies. Yeah. If you did it in gold and kept it at home, you did great. If you did it in gold and kept it in a safe deposit box, you had it taken by the government. Um, there are so many permutations, and what you're really trading on is the, the fiscal adjustment of the central government. So central government's unsustainable position, you know it's unsustainable, you know it has to change. I'll mention one other historical observation, uh, which is uh, UK, the, England or Britain, when the Romans were leaving. As the Romans left, the situation, the political stability situation deteriorated. So even today, every now and then, you will read about people finding a pot of Roman gold, denarii, buried buried in the ground. Why was the money buried in the ground? Because they were leaving. They were not safe. They couldn't bring the money with them when they travelled around. So they buried it in the hope that one day they would come back and and reclaim it. Mm. And clearly they never did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but can I just point out? Yeah, yeah. Can I just point out that the you know you talked about the Roosevelt um, confiscation of gold. I mean, the uh, the fact was, of course, that 
this was because the dollar was at the time, as it has been forever, overvalued, and they had to devalue it because at that time they, they were working with fixed exchange rates um, and, and with gold backing it. Um, uh, and so it was really a question of since you devalue the, the dollar, you had to revalue gold automatically. Um, and uh, for some reason, Roosevelt decided that the people were not going to get the benefit of that revaluation. Uh, so it wasn't confiscated. It has to be really, first of all, it had to be handed in at the market price at the time uh, against um, cash money, basically. Uh, but, you know, today gold is backing nothing whatsoever, formally. Um, and therefore, you know, the, the, the likelihood, of course, it can always be confiscated, uh, you know, in, in, in theory. But, you know, there's, le- there's not going to be confiscated for that reason anymore, uh, that the, 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 the Roosevelt reason, which because uh, that, that the dollar was, was going to be devalued. Um, because now, as I said, you know, the gold is, is not um, backing anything. Um, and that's why, why partly why we are where we are. I'm not really in favor of gold formally backing a currency because countries will always cheat anyway. I'd rather have free gold, free gold trading without, without a futures market that destroys it totally uh, and where unlimited amounts um, can be sold in, in paper gold um, to keep the price down. Um, that time will come. You know, it's interesting you make that point because um, we're at a pivotal moment for a number of central banks it does seem to me as if, uh, for example, well, we know with the Russian central bank that their dollar reserves haven't proved as useful as they might have hoped. Yeah. Um, and I think that message has now kind of travelled around a bit, and the Venezuelan central bank and the Iranian central bank hmm. would be able to to give you the same story. Um, to what degree do you think there might be a drift towards gold in central bank reserves? I, I was wondering if you think we're going to see that we're on the cusp of an increasing allocation to gold for uh, central banks. Yeah, it's inevitable, not for everybody, for the investment world as a whole. You know, the, the, I, mean, I, 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 I wrote in an article, you know, yesterday I wrote about, you know, every single asset that investors and uh, private and invest, institutional investors uh, invest in is going down, you know, everything. There's no hedge, you know. There's obviously, stocks are going down, bonds are going down, corporate bonds, treasury bonds, uh, real estate uh, going down, I mean, real estate um, indexes, indexes or funds, etc. So, you know, th- there is so there is no protection. And, and, and I don't think investors or, or, or institutional investors, which are the important ones, big ones, I don't think they've woken up to that yet. Uh, and if they have, they don't know what to do. And they're still sitting there hope, hoping that, you know, it'll be like two years ago that we'll have a quick rebound and a bit of more Fed changing, uh, you know, re- reversing them, their position and putting money back into the system. First of all, that's not going to happen. They're not going to do that short term. They will panic at some point. But as always, when they panic, it will be, be too late. And, and, and even if they, you know, whatever amount they injected into the system, that money will be worth even less than it is today, so it will have a zero effect, in my view. So, but but having said that, yes, central banks will have more gold in the balance sheet. I mean, they have, you know, as Western central banks haven't really bought gold um, for decades, decades. I mean, most of them 
um, re reduced their amount of, of gold, you know, in, in the eighties um, and nineties especially. And uh, we have the famous cases of UK and Switzerland, etc., selling at the very, very bottom um, at the end of the nineties. Um, and uh, yes, I think they will. Uh, yeah, central banks will own more gold, definitely. But I think the the, the, the key is here that that um, uh, investors will turn to gold. You know, we are going to grow from the the historically very low half a percent of world financial assets in, in gold. We're going to go up um, dramatically in the next few years. Partly, of course, because other assets are going to come down in relation to gold. Uh, but also because uh, people are going to find that gold is now the the the, the safe haven, if you want, uh, that that they will be looking for. But remember that there ain't no gold in the world. There is no gold available. I mean, there's so little gold. There is no you know the, there's no gold. You can no major amounts of gold is going to be sold at these prices. Um, central banks are not going to sell, as you say. They're going to be buyers. Um, and, and so, and there is virtually no stock of gold. So, um, you know, in, uh, investment gold might be, you know, 30,000 uh, tons or so, but it's absolutely nothing. Uh, so, um, the only way that investors can be satisfied with a higher allocation to gold is uh, by uh, paying up for it. So, instead of buying gold at, at um, uh, at current prices, eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred dollars an ounce. Uh, you know, at some point they will pay five thousand, ten thousand, uh, and to so said, you know, they'll spend the same amount that they intended to, but they'll get much less gold. That is the only way because the gold market, you know, they, as I said before, you can't produce it. We've reached peak gold anyway, um, and there are no major finds now uh, anywhere. You, uh, the gold. The, uh, no major uh, gold finds, and, and whatever we find today, which is small, you know, you're talking about now less less than a half a gram per 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 ton. And we talk about less than half a gram per ton of gold, or you know, half half a gram per per ton, a ton of rock, uh, less. And you know, in 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 the when South Africa was the major producer in in the 60s and uh, 70s you know talk about 20 grams per gold so you know the return now I and mean, the cost of, of extracting it and the return is is so small on, 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 and as that it takes more than 10 years um, and uh, and therefore you know we're not going to see any increase in, in gold production yeah i think as a first approximation that's right Right. There will be some gold producers, always some gold producers. They might even start mining sure. it out of the sea. But the, the first approximation, supply is fully constrained. Yeah, and all the price, the adjustment in price will be uh, will will be what changes the amount of gold you have in your portfolio. It's actually a kind of scissor effect. Assets, non-gold assets, fall in price. Gold assets rise in price, probably by quite a lot because the entrance to the the market is so small. So you'll have quite a lot of price elasticity of of quantity demand elasticity of price. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. So I agree with all that. Um, I'm a trader, um, a bad trader, um, but at least I know my limitations. And I look at this and I think to myself, if you're right, and there's several reasons why you might be right, um, one of which is less confidence in all fiat currencies, another is the sheer stock of debt, the debt pyramid we have created on fiat currencies, 
um, which means those fiat currencies have to devalue down. And then we, we always need some kind of monetary asset. So that's another reason why gold might be goosed up as we lose confidence in other fiats. You know, they're all bad. If I like that idea, why wouldn't I buy gold miners, which would be a leveraged play on the idea happening? Those miners who have economic or near economic production, they will massively have a leveraged, you know, increase in their revenues from this. Isn't that like a great option trade on the same idea? Uh, Absolutely. And that is a trade, as you say. Uh, And you could make spectacular amounts of money by buying gold miners, silver miners. Um, uh, And... uh, uh, and that move is just going to start, you know, or now, or has actually started in a small way. Um, and you, yeah, you could make a lot of money. But again, you have got to understand what you're doing here because you have totally different risks. You have you have anything from country risk, political risk, um, management risk, and then you have, of course, um, also energy costs. You know, the, the, the now gold yeah. production costs go up dramatically. So, um, and that can only be offset by higher prices, which will certainly happen. So, so there is a different, this is, uh, from our point of view, that's not a wealth preservation risk, that this is a trade, that this is investment. And I think, yes, as an investment, I think it's a very sound investment. But you are then also, most of the time, if you don't hold your investment directly, which is the only way to hold it, really. But if you don't, and most, for most people, that is not practical. Um, and if you don't hold it directly, you hold it then through the financial system, which um, I uh, would like to avoid with with uh, you know most of my money. Uh, the way that that I look at risk, you could say that I'm extreme, uh, and um, you know the financial system will always survive. Maybe it will, but there's always the risk when banks are under pressure, um, and uh, that you know the assets are used. Uh, for, for other purposes sure. than, than, than actually uh, for the client's account. Well, you see that. We've seen that. Yeah, banks do get restructured. It happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know we're stretching time a little bit, but one last question on this. Why gold? Like, I, I, I'm an ex-Bank of England uh, officer, not official, officer. And I remember writing papers on what to do with the gold. I didn't remember. I don't remember saying we should sell it. Um, but I remember writing the kind of briefing papers. Um, you could lend gold, you could do various things. But gold, you know, was there's always been a kind of, it's a barbarous relic type argument. You can't, you, you know, why not, why not platinum? Why not uh, uranium? Um, actually, I can think of one very good reason for not uranium, but, but in a personal portfolio held at home. Um, but... Why not another commodity exposure? Why gold? Yeah, no, there's nothing. First of all, you know, you have to be pragmatic. You have to look at history. You have to look at what has been stable, uh, what has been money over time, uh, 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 and um, uh, which has a stability which is far greater than all the other metals. And uh, you come back to gold. I mean, it's just, it, it, it could be, it could have been uranium, but as you say, you can't keep it at home. It's a quite a political metal. I I, I think uh, uranium will go up a lot. Also, I think you know the um, uh, n- nuclear power is one of the few um, alternatives that we have today that works, um, and therefore uranium. As I think will will be will be uh, see a dramatic move moves. But as, as I said again, it doesn't fit 
our investment structure, our portfolio, the way we are thinking. We are we want something that is physical that we can actually control um, as much as you can control anything against governments today, uh, and that can be easily moved or or uh, liquidated. You know, so you have to remember also that gold is instant liquidity. You know, diamonds is another you could say, but but diamonds you've got to be a specialist. You know, that they for for the for the amateur, the day he buys a diamond, he's lost thirty percent at least um, uh, when he wants to sell it again. Um, and uh, but but it you know sure it's high value that you can hide in your underwear or whatever when you cross borders. So from that point of view, yes, if you are an expert, diamonds certainly would be be good. Actually, truth is, with diamonds, they're not particularly rare. Um, small diamonds. Uh, it's a, yeah, yeah. a weird market which is artificially manipulated to keep them to retain some value. Um, it's only extremely large carrot. Um, unusual stones that have underlying intrinsic value that is yeah, manipulated. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be an expert. You know, yeah. you're relying on other experts most of the time. So, so in gold, you don't have to be an expert as long as you know that it's it's uh, you know um, um, three A's or four A's or whatever. You know, i.e. ninety nine point nine nine percent, and and comes out of a, of a good of an LBMA approved uh, refiner, then you're okay. Um, and so it makes it very simple to trade, to buy and to sell. You know, it's, you could do that within seconds, um, uh, even even when you have physical. Um, so so that's why it fulfills many of the criteria that we are looking for. Uh, but as I said, we are you know, we are unique in looking at the world. But I think uh, we will be less unique in coming years because more people will um, turn to gold. Um, and there's no question about it. Uh, I think gold is certainly uh, very likely to to start a, a major move relatively soon, uh, um, and you know I've never worried about the price target. But you know, the price price is probably going to go a lot higher than anyone can imagine today. Partly, of course, because we're measuring in in, in rubbish uh, paper money, but partly also because it will outperform everything, um, um, and purchasing power of gold will increase dramatically. So it's not just going to follow inflation and, and debase currencies, but also go up uh, on its own. Hmm. Egon, it's, it's been a pleasure. Where can uh, listeners find more of your work if they'd like to dig a bit deeper into your thoughts? Well, uh, myself and, and, and uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Matt Pipenberg, uh, you know, we, we write normally something every week, um, and of course, we are we are free thinkers. So you're, we are not uh, talking about conventional investment advice. You know, we, we are. It, it's it's very few people in, in the investment industry are free free to say what they think. Uh, but we are very fortunate that that we have uh, done this now for for twenty years. Uh, Math is joined later, but uh, uh, and therefore, uh, you know, it's. In, in the early days, I argued uh, or told everybody I met, family, friends, etc., you know, why they should buy gold in the world is going to be uh, have problems, etc. Like you do, like a real pr- preacher. Um, I, I even held a speech at my, one of my daughter's weddings 20 years ago where I told all the guests to buy gold in 2002. Uh, but, you know, that, um, that fell to de- deaf ears. But, but the, the, now the, the wonderful thing is with the writing that you don't need to preach anymore. You don't need to argue with people. You just tell them that if you want to read my thoughts, go to our website. So people can read on our website, goldswitzerland.com. Very simple, goldswitzerland.com. 
I'm not surprised. If you can see the world slowly moving towards collapse, it's not difficult to, you know, have an interest in that and to focus on it. Although I've got to say, I might be, maybe I'm weird, but I'd have loved to be, have been in the audience at that wedding. (laughs) (laughs) He's mad, he's mad. (laughs) Anyway, Egon, it's it's been a pleasure. Um, Thank you so much. We must do this again. I really enjoyed talking to you and thank you so much and all the best to you. All right, that's a wrap on the next big trade. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and as always, head over to realvision.com for financial insight you won't find anywhere else.